Hey everybody, John Fenn here, Church Without Walls International, CWOWI.org. We are a house church network. We celebrate the gathering of saints by meeting at homes. And if you watch these, you know that our pattern is Acts 2.42 that says they steadfastly, which means that had purpose and intent, steadfastly were in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. Breaking of bread doesn't necessarily mean the Lord's Supper, but it can include the Lord's Supper, which was done as part of a meal then. So very often in house church meetings, you'll find meals involved. Sometimes it's just water and you know snack foods or something like that, but uh, very often it's a meal. And uh, anyway, check it out. It's healthy. It's balanced. It's like a group of friends meeting together in, in friendship, community, family, etc. So cwowi.org. All right, today talking about difficult decisions. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1 says, Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And talking about the proud, saying if he thinks he knows something, he knows nothing as he should. So knowledge puffs up. You see, there's a difference between Greek thought and the Oriental thought of the Bible. People don't realize when we talk about the Middle East, we're still talking about the East. We're talking about Oriental customs, and the Bible is an Oriental book. And Oriental thought does not separate the concept from the action. Let me get that, understand that. It's very difficult for Western uh, listeners and Western Christians to understand the concept in Oriental thought, they do not separate the, the concept from the action. To learn something means you have to immediately apply it to your life. An example of Greek thought or Western thought can be found in Acts chapter 17 when Paul's on Mars Hill. And all they were doing was debating ideas and everything. And, G, and, and Paul presented Jesus and, and they listened to him as this new idea, you know, was presented to them until Paul got to the point of the resurrection from the dead. And then most of them said, okay, we've heard enough. Let's, let's move on. Greek thought just wants ears tickled. They just want knowledge. Greek thought is the type of thing where you have journals and journals of writings from different teachers who went, Ooh, that was good. Ooh, what a wonderful revelation. Ooh, that was good. And you got stacks and stacks. Uh, of notes of that, but Greek thought does not in, does not link the action with the idea. Greek thought, Western thought, just links the idea, concept. It's like, wow, that's wonderful knowledge. And so, if you have knowledge without doing it, that's what Paul was talking about in First Corinthians chapter eight, where he said he said knowledge puffs up. It makes you think that you're more spiritual than you are. And to that, I want to then flow into the idea of hyper-spirituality, where people spiritualize everything instead of, and, and they, because they don't sep, because they separate the, the concept or the understanding from the action. You know, you've got the vertical and the horizontal. They, they, they love God with all their heart and they think that's all there is to it. But the horizontal is the application of it. It's the walking in love to your neighbor. It's the growing and changing as a human being. And so the hyper-spiritual, H-Y-P-E-R dash spiritual are people who spiritualize everything. Everything is a demon. Everything is God. Everything is, is whatever the case may be without doing the work of actually growing in Christ. And that's where we come to difficult decisions. Do you know somebody like that? Do you know somebody who hyper spiritualizes everything? That if something goes wrong with their house or their car or their body, it must be the devil. 
They never look inward to themselves to think, well, maybe I should have been fixing up the house along the way and take and maintaining it, or I should have been eating right or doing right or something with my body along the way so that I wouldn't get sick like this, or I should have been maintaining my car so it wouldn't break down like this, or whatever the case is. Uh, people tend to, who hyper-spiritualize, are people who have separated out the concept from the action they built up in knowledge. And so we've got probably millions of Christians who think they are mature because they know a lot. But the reality is just knowing a lot does not equal maturity. And that's one of the great fallacies of Western Christianity is that we, we have such great teachers and such knowledge but the application of it is where you actually start growing. For instance, consider John chapter 8 and verse 11, where Jesus is presented with a woman who's thrown there in the midst of him who was caught in the act of adultery. And of course, the leaders want to, to execute her. And the Jewish law had a, a wide range of, of latitude there, even if you consider that Joseph and Mary, consider that Joseph found his wife Mary pregnant, and before he knew it was of the Lord, he considered divorce and said, because he, he just wanted a quiet divorce because he was a good man, the gospel says. And, and so he could have had her executed for being unfaithful and, and everything, but he didn't. He, he just, he had latitude in the law. And, and so there was the same latitude there in John chapter eight, but in verse 11, Jesus said, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. Now consider the difficult decision of that woman. Consider what, what the difficult decision that she had when Jesus said, okay, I, I forgive you, but go and sin no more. What would that mean for her? Well, if she just went with the knowledge, oh yeah, yeah I've been forgiven and went about and lived her life, that would be fine. You know, she'd think, okay, I'm done. You know, glory be to God. Jesus saved me. But Jesus actually said, I forgive you or I don't condemn you. And But he also said, go and sin no more, which means she had the difficult decision of breaking it off with her lover. That could have meant maybe he was supplying her with money. Maybe he was putting a roof over her head. You know, maybe he was giving her an account. Maybe she was more like a mistress or something like that. We don't know. But the go and sin no more was a series of difficult decisions. And true growth in Christ comes through a series of small but often difficult decisions to, to live right, to, to do right. Consider, for instance, in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, Peter, Peter writes this and he says, besides all these things, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Now, virtue is translated most often as moral excellence. Now, stop and think for a minute what Peter is saying. If you want to grow in Christ, you add to your faith. Now, understand what I'm talking about. The hyper-spiritual person just thinks, and, and so much of Western Christianity is like, oh, I know a lot. I've got, I did, I went to hear this person. I spent the weekend with this. We had a wonderful seminar. Oh, I've got stacks and stacks of notes. And they think that they have grown. They think they are mature because they have much knowledge. No, 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 that's not the case. Peter said this. In 2 Peter 1, verses 5 through 8, I'll go through the whole thing. He said, with all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And with virtue, add knowledge. And with knowledge, self-control. And with self-control, add consistency. And with consistency, add godliness. And to that, brotherly love. And then agape or, or unconditional love to your life and to your walk. And he said, if these things are in you and abounding, they will make you so that you're not barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. That's 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. So the very first thing he says is moral excellence or virtue to add to your faith. 
Now, see, that's faith is not is is knowledge. Faith is vertical. Faith is 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 all those all the things you're learning about the Lord. But then he says, add moral excellence. That's the horizontal. That means that means you have to actually do what you've been learning. You 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 complete. You hold as one the concept or the knowledge with the doing of it. Now think about what moral excellence means to people. Think about that. That moral excellence that means honesty. That means that means don't have secret sins somewhere you know that you you run off to every couple of weeks. That that means that means. Uh, Admitting when you're wrong, so you're an employee. Instead of putting it off on somebody else, you actually admit it. Instead of t- telling a half truth and take and blaming something on somebody else, you say, "No, I'm guilty. I did it." Moral, moral excellence, and he says, besides moral excellence, you add knowledge. That that combination of adding faith, moral excellence, and knowledge together are what help grow a person. It lays the groundwork for growing. You're growing in the Lord, but then with that knowledge comes self control. Think about what that means. Self-control means denying the flesh. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's gambling. Maybe it's something you view online. Maybe you spend all your time in one particular stream of the faith. Maybe you're just caught up in end times, or maybe you're caught up in prophecy, or maybe you're caught up in deliverance, or maybe you're caught up in whatever the case is. He's self-control. Get balance in everything. Be in in, in moderation and self-control in all things. And then he, he says consistency. Patience or consistency. King James was is the word patience, but the word patience in King James time, 400 years ago, and in the Greek as well, the word patience means to be consistent, no matter what's going on around you. Patience is not hang in there, baby. Uh, You know, patience is a consistency all the way through. Well, if you're getting self-control, then gradually you're looking at a consistency in your life. And then that leads to a life of godliness where moral virtue and excellence and, and love and all of these things are coming together in your life. But go back to the difficult decisions. Consider, for instance, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, where Paul said, put away lying. Speak the truth to everybody. Whoa, stop right there. A lot of people <laughs> shade the truth and lie. Well, putting the knowledge to the application, to the horizontal, to their life. They may be great in faith, but they need to stop lying. You Probably every one of us have run into Christ, quote, quote, Christian business people who are dishonest. You know, have you ever run into those? I, so More than one person has told me, if I see that little fish symbol on the side of a, a vehicle or in the business card or something like that, I run the other way because they've been burned by so-called Christians, but they get lied, taken advantage of, etc. There are many, many more great Christian businesses, don't get me wrong, but I think many of us have been burned by those who supposedly are upright and call themselves Christians, and then and then they turn out not to be. Uh, but consider we're still in Ephesians chapter 4. I think it's down in verse uh, 25, 26. Paul says this, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Well, that's <laughs> that's a tough one, isn't it? Some people want to hold on to a grudge. They want to use the silent treatment. But if you've got the faith, then you have to apply that. He goes on and he says in verse 26, 27, all the way through there, he says, let him that stole steal no more, but let him get a job so that he has something to give to others in need. Well, think about what the difficult decision that is. That, that the person who's used to being a thief and used to using his street smarts and everything else to get by, Paul says, here, you want to grow in Christ? Then go get a job. You know, he says that to Timothy too in 1 Timothy 5. He talks about if you don't work, you don't eat. 
it's very simple. It's, it's it, walking out the Christian faith is, is a series of small decisions to take responsibility for your life and see the things that you know vertically can now be applied horizontally. Growth in Christ comes through the knowing and the doing. It's not just the knowing only. Uh, you know, Paul goes on, Paul goes on to the, to say in the end of Ephesians 4, he says, don't let corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Well, some people may have problems with cursing. I've known people like that. They have a curse, uh, a habit of cursing and, and the Lord starts dealing with them about cleaning up their speech. Um, you know, it could go on and on and on through there, you know, where he says, be kind and be tenderhearted towards one another, forgive one another. All of these things, all of these things are difficult, small decisions. And they come in other forms too. Years ago, years ago, Barbara and I were part of a church and we had lunch with a, a family and uh, uh, a family after church. And, and there were groups of us that got together after church on Sundays. It was kind of a regular thing. And, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 people would get together and we just, somebody's house. And uh, I said some things during that time to the hostess. Just as she was expressing her opinion about something in the church, and we agreed with her and didn't think anything of it. Well, a few days later, we learned that she had taken an issue with the pastor and with the church, and she used words that I had said uh, out of context and used them against the pastor. Well, Barb and I were horrified, and and Barb was part of that too. We were just talking in conversation, saying, "Well, you know, we do this different and different things of that nature." But when the pastor found out about it, he was really hurt, and his wife. Well, here's the difficult decision. Do Barbara and I just keep silent about it and we just go on and don't mention it? Or or what did we do? Well, we immediately called the pastor up, asked to come over to their house that we needed to apologize to them. They were gracious. They let us in. We sat in the living room. We apologized. We acknowledged we did wrong. And to this day, now here we are, what are we, 35 years later? We <laughs> It's still on good terms. Last time I saw him, we, it was like, hi, and it was like nothing had ever happened. And it's a series of small decisions that you do what is right. So if you know somebody who's hyper-spiritual, or maybe in the past you've been like that, and you just think knowledge, 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 and I'm growing in the Lord, it's like, no, 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 no. All you have is knowledge. Growing in the Lord comes by exercising, by doing the word, doing what you know to do. And that's a series of small decisions, but that's how you grow in Christ. What Peter said to close out, here, what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, when you add to your faith moral excellence, and then you add knowledge, then you add self-control, then you add consistency, then you add godliness and brotherly love, and then agape love. He said, if these things are in you and abounding, then they will make you so that you're not barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. If these things, you don't just pass one and then forget it and move on to the next. All these things are, are concurrently. All these at the same time are working within you. And Paul, and, and Peter says, they will make you so you're neither barren nor unfruitful. That is our, that is our destination. Do whatever it takes. Do right whatever it takes to grow in Christ. That's our goal. That's what we should be aiming for. All right. Make the difficult decision. Do what's right. God bless you.